Today on Lockdown White Sox, we have some Friday fun. I have a Sporkle quiz for you, a White Sox theme Sporkle quiz for you, but we'll also get serious. Some White Sox players might be traded this year. We'll talk about who, why, and where on this episode of Lockdown White Sox. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Sox. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on platforms like Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You can find us there by searching Locked On Sox or Locked On White Sox. Either one will help you out. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I've been the host of Lockdown Sox for about two months now, a little bit over two months, and it's been a pleasure talking Sox with you. I'm a diehard Sox fan, and I worked in media for about two years, and I got a new gig coming soon. I'll just tease you a little bit. I got a new, I got something, you know, I got something in the works. But anyways, that's who I am. Again, you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. To let you know what's going to happen on today's show, we're going to do a quiz. It's a Friday fun day. We're going to have some fun on a Friday. We're going to try to name the White Sox batters with an OPS of at least 850 in a season, which I think is fitting because we're going to start today about, I'm going to find the answer, a mailbag question. I was asked a question on Monday about how the universal DH rule benefits the White Sox and some of the players in their roster right now. I'll tell you how it does and what the trade value of Gavin Sheets, Andrew Vaughn, uh, Jake Berger, your mean Mercedes might look like now after the universal DH rule has been instated. And then finally, I want to have some fun. You know, you guys send in great trade suggestions all the time. LockdownSocks at gmail.com. You can call in at 312-566-8727. But I want to give you one of my trade suggestions. I don't know if I want it to happen, but I don't think I'd be upset if it did happen. And I think that the White Sox do have a viable trade partner in this team. So I wonder if they can explore that deal. It's something I've talked about before, but I want to, I want to bring it back up because I've been thinking about it just a little bit more. Now, final piece of housekeeping I want to throw out there because I didn't mention it's Friday. It is Friday, February 18th. Happy Friday to all you people. TGIF to my mom and to my guy, Dan, from the 219. And Dan wrote in for What Up Wednesday, and I want to get this out now because tomorrow is 219 Day. Happy 219 Day. To Dan, it will be February 19th. 219 on your dates. You you might also finish that off with a 2-1. Maybe you're really fancy. Oh, it's the it's 2022. Maybe you'll finish that off with a 2-2 or maybe a full 2022 if you're fancy. But 219 day is coming up. So shout out to Dan. And he said, hey, Sean, what's up? I've got a Twitter poll going on and I was wondering who you got with 219 day coming up on Saturday. Who's your favorite MLB player to come out of Northwest Indiana? My poll includes Sean Manaya. Jeff Samarja, Ron Kittle, and Kenny Lofton. Honorable mentions would be Latroy Hawkins. Keep up the great work. Happy 219, and always go Sox. So go Sox. Shout out to Dan from the 219. And in a way, this one's easy for me. So I got a connection to a couple of these 219ers. Uh, first one up, I'll, I'll tell my Ron Kittle story. Shout out to Tom Green. I used to go to St. Xavier University, and there I met this fantastic guy, Tom Green, who was, uh, worked in the video production uh area over there at St. Xavier. And now he's you know doing bigger and better things. So shout out to, to Tom Green. But one day, Ron Kittle visited St. Xavier University and we, Tom and I, went and got his autograph. And I got Ron Kittle's autograph and we just were doing some dig- digging 
on uh, after we met Ron Kittle, and he had this thing going on his uh, Facebook called Fanny Slap Friday. So I can just you know slide into Tom's DMs or messages at any point and just text him you know Happy Fanny Slap Friday. That's that's a different TGIF, um, a little bit you know more PG thirteen. Uh, but <laughs> Fanny Slap Friday. Uh, shout out to uh, Ron Kittle uh, for that one. He'll he'll always be ingrained into my brain. Kenny Lofton's a cool cat. I mentioned this uh, in a, a couple podcasts ago. The 2006 White Sox could have been completely different. They could have been re- repeat champions if they signed Kenny Lofton and made him play in center field instead of a revolving door of Brian Anderson and Rob Makoviak. So, I mean, shout out to Kenny Lofton. He could have gotten a big ring with the Sox. Would have helped his Hall of Fame choices. Sean Manaya, I don't have a huge connection to. I am surprised, though, you didn't throw Troy Hawkins in, and then maybe Manaya was the honorable mention. Troy Hawkins has some true staying power. I mean, that guy has a long, long, long career in the MLB. But I'm going to go with my guy. You mentioned he's from Valpo. I'm going to go with Jeff Samarja, former White Sox. Of course, Ron Kittle, Kittle uh, a former White Sox as well. But I wasn't alive when he was playing. And Jeff Samarja, I have a more favorite memory because I actually got the chance to work with him. I mentioned that a little bit earlier. I used to work in radio. And one of my favorite memories was I was on remote at the Aurelio's right outside Wrigley. And I remember it so specifically because it was my birthday. I was working on my birthday. I had to travel all the way up north to the Aurelio's in Wrigley Field. And Danny Parkins and Dan McNeil were there doing their show 2 to 6 p.m., I was producing it remote because I think Nick Shepkowski, he was the executive producer at the time. I think he was dealing with, not dealing, but his daughter Peyton uh, was in his uh, wife's womb at the time. So I think he was probably dealing with dad stuff at, at that time. So I was filling in for Shep. And Dan McNeil is a region rat himself and knows Jeff Samarja through that. And I think that Bruce Levine also helped work on the actual booking of the interview But Jeff Samarja ended up coming on the air with Dan McNeil and Danny Parkins because the Giants were in town. Samarja was on the Giants. He comes in. And I mean, obviously, everyone knows him. I knew him first as a wide receiver for Notre Dame. True region rat, you know, Valpo guy, then went to South Bend and played football and baseball. And then, you know, just had a a normal MLB career. And obviously, I say that sarcastically because who else is a high-level two-sport athlete? And then, I mean, Jeff Samarja was a really good pitcher uh, in his day. But anyways, I meet Samarja. Samarja's, I'm 5'8", 5'9", on a good day. He's 6'4", and it shows. And I can't tell you, one of the most down-to-earth, nicest guys you've ever met. And I feel like for most 219ers, not all, but most 219ers, you get a very similar vibe. So shout out to Jeff Samarja. Very cool guy to meet. And I I, I will never forget meeting him. So he's my favorite 219er. Thank you, uh, Dan, for sending in the question, sending in the prompt. And happy 219 day to all you region rats out there. And now I'm looking at the time. I'm being my own producer, and I think I got three minutes to get this in. Andrew Vaughn's trade value went up in the past week. They announced the Universal DH, and being the best college hitter out of his class back in 2019 when the White Sox drafted him, he has a very strong reputation around the league. I don't think the White Sox loved his debut in uh, 2021, but also I think they understand that he didn't have over, I think it was, I don't even think he had 100 games down in the minor league. So he was very inexperienced and I think they're happy with the flashes that he showed enough where he's going to get a true shot at the opening day roster for the White Sox. And the only way he doesn't make the opening day roster is they think that him in AAA 
getting consistent playing time compared to a platoon situation that might be possible with the White Sox, um, you know, that might be more beneficial to his career than obviously calling him up later in the season. But he gained more value. I mean, he was already the White Sox possibly most valuable trade piece. If you think that they are trading Kopech, then you could probably say Kopech's their most valuable trade piece. But it's either Vaughn or Kopech, Tropech, Vaughn or Kopech that are their most valuable trade pieces. And I'm just thinking, and I'm just trying to figure out, like, what is the idea here? What is the White Sox plan? Are they trying to win a World Series this year? And if they are, then maybe it is time to trade Andrew Vaughn, because this prospect list is horrible. The The current minor league status is the worst or second worst in the majors right now. The farm system for the Sox is horrible. And we keep talking about the White Sox possibly making a big signing when the lockout ends. I would like to see Kyle Schwarber in White Sox pinstripes. I know some people like my guy Herb Lawrence or Jordan Lazowski. They would like Michael Conforto in White Sox pinstripes. I'm not mad at Conforto, but I don't know if the White Sox are even going to go out and sign one of the bigger names. So what is possibly left is a trade. I'm not sure if Dave Dombrowski wants to trade away Aaron Nola, but there have been some rumors that Aaron Nola could be dealt. Andrew Vaughn gaining value in a way can possibly give the White Sox some interesting flexibility because I think that now Andrew Vaughn could be the true centerpiece for a Phillies deal. And I think Nola is a good fit for the Sox because you look at his contract, he's going to be 31 at the end of his contract, but this year, 2022, he makes $15 million and the next year he makes $16 million with a club option. That matches perfectly or almost perfectly with Craig Kimbrell's money. And again, that's at least for this year. Kimbrell's only signed until the end of 2022. Nola will have 2023 with a club option that the White Sox would likely pick up. But Kimbrell has been connected to the Phillies over the past year. And I know they recently just signed Corey Knable to be their closer. But who would you rather have? A guy I'm not really even sure I'm pronouncing his name right, but I know he's been in the league for at least five years. Or Hall of Famer Craig Kimbrell. I think Andrew Vaughn and Craig Kimbrell sounds like a decent package for Aaron Nola. And Aaron Nola, without a doubt, is a top-of-the-rotation guy. So I think that's the only deal. I've been thinking about this. What's the only deal I'd be happy getting Andrew Vaughn away in? And I think it would be a deal for a top-end pitcher like an Aaron Nola. So I just want to get that out there. Built fans, have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best-tasting bars. Puffs are the first-ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. They have yummy cinnamon churro. That's my favorite. Coconut marshmallow and banana cream pie. All of these are truly, truly unbelievable. Built works on their flavors. They are all about taste. They make it taste delicious first and then figure out how to make it healthy. And I don't know how, but they do it every single time. And the best part is they are healthy. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, four net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. And you can go to Built.com, you could scroll down the macros chart, and you'll be blown away. They're high in protein, low in calorie. They're high in fiber and low in carbs. And again, I I mentioned it before, but I want to mention it again. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and that's the puffs included, 100% real chocolate. So I'm telling you, go to Built right now, and you could use our promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. 
Go try the puffs. Use promo code LOCKED15 when you do for 15% off at Built.com. All right, here we go. Sporkle time. It's been a long time since we did a Sporkle, so I'm excited to bring you one. I tweeted the link out on my Twitter the day before I posted this episode, so you can go and find that at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. You could take it before you listen to me take the test. You could see if you can try and beat me. I also retweeted that on our Twitter page at Locked on Socks. Now, the quiz is, can you name the White Sox batters with an OPS of at least 850 in a season there are 98 of them i will have 10 minutes and the years span from 2020 which isn't a good sign for the socks because where was where was 2021 you know all the way to 1915 so if you are ready i am ready if you don't want spoilers skip ahead or pause and come back later we're going to start the quiz in three two one 2020 let's just start naming maybe i don't know the u the the al mvp jose abreu and his name comes up three different times he did it in 2014 2017 and 2020 i think yasmani grandal probably did it no he did not uh 2020 well the positions are there i should have mentioned this uh i got tim anderson he did it in 2020 and 2019 i get the ops that they had so jose abreu in 2020 uh, had an ops of 987 and i get their position first base and then the year that they played so we're guessing the player so so far in 2020 jose abreu and tim anderson now maybe it was eloy jimenez and it was 891 for the outfielder he only pops up in 2020 uh now let's get some of the big names out there uh frank thomas he pops up uh well i think that was 10 times he popped up in 2003 2000 1999 1998 1997 1996 1995 1994 93 92 and 91 that guy was good huh maybe was he good was 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 frank thomas any good you guys should tell me and let me know Uh, i'm gonna guess frank frank canerco paul canerco as well paul canerco pops up in 12 11 10 6 05 04 and 02 and 01 oh and 1999 that guy was good too i think jim tomey was good he had three seasons of above 850 ops in a white Sox uniform and now uh albert bell gonna pop up yeah and albert bell did pop up in 1998 1055 ops for albert bell in 1998 is jd on there jermaine die yes he is uh 2008 and 2006 for jd 2005 is the only uh, paul Konerko is the only player from the 2005 white Sox with an ops above 850 which i don't know i find interesting just think, thinking about the Sox right now and thinking about where they can can be uh, you know it, it shows that pitching is extremely important so maybe that aaron nola deal uh, it gets more and more interesting. Uh, Yohan Moncada is going to pop up in 2019 uh, to much of Twitter's dismay, but 915 OPS uh, for the third baseman in 2019. 2017 is the next one, an outfielder with an 885 OPS. Well, that was the Avi Garcia All-Star year, and it was 2017. Avi Garcia pops up. And then the next one, you have Abreu, Garcia, Abreu, Anderson, Moncada, Anderson, Jimenez, and Abreu, right? Those those names are, are, are staying powers outside of Avi Garcia. But Jose Abreu starts in 2014, and Paul Konerko's streak ends in 2012, right? So outside of names that aren't first baseman, Konerko, uh, Tomey, and Abreu, I mean, this list is pretty barren. 2012 outfielder that had an 850 OPS. Was it Alex Rios? 
Was it? It was Alex Rios. He, yes. Uh, 2008, 965 OPS for an outfielder. Oh, it has to be Mr. Broken Hand, Carlos Quinton, right? How am I going to spell his name? Am I going to get it right? How? Uh, Quinton. Quinton. There it is. Uh, Q-U-E-N-T-I-N. Go Bears. Now, I think this one is a, a face that we did in one of our Wayback Machines. 2004, 905 EPS, OPS for an outfielder. Uh, I'm going to go with Mags Ordonez, and I spelled Mags' name wrong. It wasn't even him, though. Uh, 2003, 2002, 2001, 2000, and 1999 popped up for Mags. Is Carlos Lee on there? El Caballo is. Uh, still not the guy with the 905 uh, OPS, though. Carlos Lee, 2004, 891 OPS. All right. Um... I'm just going to guess this guy because it's an outfielder in 2004, and there's not many, uh, if you guys know baseball. I mean, I guess there's only one shortstop, uh, and there's three outfielders. But Aaron Rowan? And Aaron Rowan pops up. Can we talk about Aaron Rowan's 2004 then? When did he have a 905 OPS? Paul Konerko in the World Series winning year had an OPS of 909. And Aaron Rowan as a center fielder is posting a 904. When? When is he doing that? It's 905. I even undersold him by one. That's crazy. When did when was Aaron Rowan this good? I guess that's why he was traded for Jim Tomey, huh? All right. I took some pauses just to catch my breath to make it a little bit more of a conducive uh, 10 minutes, but I haven't guessed any names. We have 43 out of 98 so far, and half of them, I think, are Frank Thomas. There's four minutes left, uh, and now we're in the 90s where... This is just going to get tough. Now, I know Carlton Fisk was good. He only pops up in 1983. Uh, We'll try Ron Kittle because his name was uh, mentioned earlier, but Ron Kittle I don't think was uh, that good. He had a really good year, his rookie year, but I don't think he ever was 850 uh, level. Is Robin Ventura on this list? I'd be stupid if I didn't guess him. Yes, 1996 and 1995 for Robin Ventura, 888 OPS and 882 OPS for the third baseman. And I need somebody old because I really am not – even sure where to go here. I mean, uh, Dick Allen is, is of course, going to be on this list. Um, so we'll, we'll throw him out there. 74 and 72 for Dick Allen. 938 and a 1023 OPS and 72. I still got to pick up that book uh, on Dick Allen's 1972 season. So I got, I got to, I got to do that. Absolutely. Now, is Greg Luzinski on this list? I, that's a name I know, but I don't, I don't even know if it, Luzinski. Greg Lusinski. Let's try it. Uh, I really don't even know how to spell his name. Uh, Lusinski. No. Lusinski. Ah, there you go. L-U-Z-I-N-S-K-I. 854 uh, for Greg Luzinski and, of course, uh, 1983. Uh, I should make this uh, uh, claim, too. Harold Baines pops up uh, 1996 and 1984, uh, 903 and 84, and then Harold Baines 902 in 1996. So he, he loved the 900 club but hated anything uh, around 850. I think it was... I could be wrong. I think it was other Sean. Other Sean wrote in and said that there are three DHs in the Hall of Fame, and he is correct. It is Edgar Martinez, David Ortiz, and I completely forgot about Harold Baines. Sorry about that. But also, Harold Baines, 1996, listed as a DH. Yes, 1984, listed as an outfielder. Harold Baines, I also think, played third base and first base. So it's not like he was 100% a DH. Is Joe Creedy on this list? No, because 2004 isn't on this list. And I think I can honestly get some more. I'm going to try just Bill Melton just in case because, I mean, power. Yeah, Bill Melton's on isn't on this list. So, you know, I'm just going to call in the towel. I got 51 out of 98. There's a minute left. 
and I, I'm honestly, I'm just going to give up because I, I, I can't think today for some reason. Uh, here we go. I got 52%. The average score was 69%. Nice. Uh, so I did worse than the average, and I, I honestly could have done a little bit better because uh, I didn't guess Mini Mignoso, which uh, would have helped a lot. I don't know why I didn't think about him. Uh, Larry Doby was on this list as well, Hall of Famer. Uh, but you have a name like Chet Lemon, Yvonne Calderon, Julio Franco, who I forgot was a White Sox, uh, Floyd Robinson, Al Smith, Roy Severs. You got, of course, later on, I don't know why I didn't think to name any of these guys, but uh, Shoeless Joe Jackson, ever hear of him? Uh, Eddie Collins, those would have been good guesses. And then other than that, I think the only names that are sticking out to me, Luke Appling, who I didn't think that I didn't think he was good enough hitter to hit over 850, so that's on me. Uh, but Al Simmons is a name I probably should have got as well, as well as uh, the legend on the NBC Sports Chicago broadcast and in Chris Kampka's mind, uh, Zeke Benura. So uh, my apologies to Zeke and the squad over at NBC Chicago for forgetting about Zeke. My bad on that, and I will do better on the next Sporkle Quiz. I got to tell you about the new official sports book of the Lockdown Podcast Network and of Lockdown White Sox. It's betonline.net, something I did last year after football was over. I did this in the month of March, if you catch my drift, because basketball right now is in full season. You got your pro and you got college. This is what I'm talking about. And they have the big thing in March that they do. And then every single game, I bet $1. And I was able to build up a decent pot throughout the run and you know when the the round went on when it was went to round two i upped it to two dollars then i upped it to four dollars i had a podcast all around this but it was really fun to do the tournament in that way and then when i got to the national championship I bet it all. You don't have to do that. You could do whatever you have on your money, but you will get the best and latest odds at betonline.net. It's the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. You can head to the website today. Again, betonline.net. BetOnline, it's where the game starts, and I know this year it's where I'm playing all of my basketball plays. I genuinely apologize for my showing that I could have done much. I mean, we all know I could have done much better in that quiz. So I apologize for not doing better. But you know what they say. You got to jump on. You just got to jump back on the, the horse or something. You got to, you know, if there's a horse, I think the saying is, and I'm pretty sure this is what the saying is. I'm pretty sure the saying is, if there's a horse, go and jump on it. You know, I think that's what the saying is. We're going to get you back on the horse, the universal DH horse, because one of the good old writers into Lockdown Sox, and you could write in for our Monday mailbag. Those happen on Mondays. We're going to have one on Monday. You can call in at 312-566-8727, or you can write in like other Sean did, and uh, you can do that at LockdownSox at gmail.com. But other Sean wrote in writing about the universal DH with the question of, how does this affect Jake Berger? How does this affect your mean Mercedes? How does this affect Gavin Sheets? How does this affect Andrew Vaughn? What players on the White Sox right now could other teams be interested in to fill their DH position? 15 other teams now in the National League have to fill that position. And there's some in, in interesting stats I want to bring to you. I looked back through the DH stats for the entire league uh, from 2015 to 2021. And you just look at those years, 2015, a 115 weighted runs created plus. That number stays the same, 115 weighted runs created plus in 2016. In 2017, there's a weird dip to 99, which is the only time this number ever falls under 100. 2018, the weighted runs created plus was 112. 
2019, the way to run Creative Plus was 111. In 2020, when there was a universal DH in those 60 games, a 101 weighted runs created plus and then in 2021 a 110 so it bounced back up to a normal 110 and what i'm just trying to tell you is in 2020 you could just see the dip 2017 is an anomaly i don't understand why the dh was that bad in 2017 but in 2020 you could see when they add in more dhs when they have every single team taken at bat with a dh position the position falls off because the depth was thinner they didn't have the ability to add players to that team what you had on that roster is what you had that's not the case when the lockout ends this year teams will have the opportunity to call the White Sox and get the interest levels on if they will trade Gavin Sheets if they'll trade your mean Mercedes if they'll trade Jake Berger to fill their current DH positions and again this is where the best of the best hitters end up playing it's typically the best position when it comes to weighted runs created plus you look at the outfield the only position that is similar is right field that position had a weighted runs created plus around 110 and it makes sense you know you have Juan Soto out there you have Bryce Harper out there Aaron Judge out there a lot of big hitters out in right field first base a very similar position but those are the two positions that compare to DH first base DH and right field and typically I mean at least for the White Sox case those Positions usually go hand in hand. Andrew Vaughn, right fielder, DH, first base, left field. Gavin Sheets, right field, first base, DH. And all I'm saying is it would be fun to at least see Yasmani Grandal play right field for like an inning. You know, just one inning, maybe against Cleveland. It could be a blowout. You know, I just think it would be fun. I digress. So other Sean's question was, what players do I think teams could be interested in for the White Sox that could be a universal DH, whether for a National League team or an American team, you know, looking to inquire? I think you could put the list of names for Gavin Sheets, Jake Berger, Andrew Vaughn, and your mean Mercedes. I am pretty, pretty against trading Andrew Vaughn. It is just true, though, that the White Sox most valuable asset Andrew Vaughn, and I, I don't think that Kopech is an asset. I think Kopech is a true piece to this team. I think Vaughn could be determined to be an asset if you go out and make big signings. If you sign Conforto, if you sign Schwarber, I think that turns Vaughn into a little bit more of an asset than he was before. Now with DH, the universal DH being installed into the National League, this is increases Andrew Vaughn's value because the talk about him coming out of college was that he was one of the better college prospects, hitting prospects in a long time. And it showed. I mean, there was an, an extreme pop off his bat for somebody who played the amount of games, minor league games that he did under 100. And for him to come out that quickly and be able to produce, it wasn't immediate. He didn't hit his first home run until May, but he really did get into a groove before the length of the season. He's never played that long of a season got to him and he was playing out in the field and he got worn down it showed now I don't think it really affects his true value and I think the DH helps him even more because if he's focusing only on hitting you saw how kind of you know not good but how capable he was in right field and left field if you then give him the ability to then just focus on DH alone 
I think that that is a position that he can thrive in. I think Andrew Vaughn can thrive in a lot of positions. I think he can be a good MLB player, and that's why I don't want him to be traded. But one of the things that he said before last year's spring training was that Jim Tomey was helping him, and that Jim Tomey got him in the mindset of it's still a position. You still have to practice every day like it is a position. I'm pretty sure Tomey told Vaughn this. So Vaughn already has this mindset, and I think that he could be very, very valuable to a National League team. I don't even want to get into his stats because I don't think his stats truly show his value. He had a 94-weighted runs created plus in 2021, but I think that number could have been much better if he had more minor league games if he was healthier there are a lot of ifs with Andrew Vaughn and I think they are fair to give him the excuses because he was put in a fairly unfair situation last year now here are the big the big two I think that Gavin Sheets and I think that Jake Berger are true true options for teams to go out and get a player if they want a universal DH. Gavin Sheets last year in 179 plate appearances had a 125 weighted runs created plus. Yes, he can play right field a little bit. Yes, he can play first base. But when you are 6'4 and as big as Gavin Sheets is and you have an ISO power where you're just taking the uh, singles out of the slugging percentage and it's just all extra base hits, if if you have a high number, that's good. Like Tim Anderson's going to have a low ISO. He's going to have around 159. Yuan Moncada is going to have a low ISO. He's around 148. Uh, Jose Abreu, 219, right? Last year, that was his ISO power, his isolated power. Gavin Sheets had an isolated power of 256. That is the second highest on the team besides Yasmani Grandal. So he showed you that he can hit and he can hit for power. If any player was helped by the universal DH rule, it is Gavin Sheets. Gavin Sheets became much more valuable on the trade market than he ever did before because that is now a viable position in the National League. So, I mean, it could be possible that they fill out that fifth spot. Maybe they go out and trade Gavin Sheets, they get a fifth starter, and then they go Vaughn and Ingle in right field, and then they sign a DH. I don't know, maybe Kyle Schwarber. I think it's possible. I think that could happen. I'd like that plan. But let's talk about the other guy, Jake Berger. Only 42 plate appearances in the MLB in 2021 and in his career, but we talked about that ISO power. Above 200 is good. Jake Berger had an isolated power of 211, so shout out to him for that. He did have a really high batting average on balls in play because he was swinging a lot. He was putting a lot of balls in play, and when you put balls in play, you know, there's a chance that it gets down, and he had a high chance that it got down 40% of the times that he put a ball in play. uh, It went down for a hit, Um, but 120 weighted runs created plus. I know it's a very small sample size, but I think in total last year with AAA and the MLB included, he hit 19 home runs. So shout out to Jake Berger for that. But it shows the power. And I don't think that Berger's value is limited to just being a DH. He's put a lot of work into being a third baseman, and he's shown the ability uh, in AAA to be a pretty good third baseman. So, you know, he has flexibility now with third base and DH, and it just makes him, again, more flexible. He showed power. I don't know if he'd be able to get just a fifth starter, but maybe Jake Berger plus another prospect or something like that. That could fill out the rotation right there if you don't like Keuchel. Um, you know, Keuchel could just fill out the rotation and maybe they look to fill right field with packaging Berger and somebody else for a right fielder. That is very possible. I think this, this DH rule is going to allow the White Sox to make one trade. And I think that they're going to try to improve the major league roster, either using Burger or they're using Sheets. Because we'll talk about the final guy, and that's everyone's favorite, the Yerminator. I, I think that Mercedes has value. I don't want to say he doesn't. In 262 plate appearances, he had a 102 weighted runs created plus. But you look at the isolated power, 
133. I mean, that's worse than Mankata. That's worse than Anderson. And he had a 17.6 K rate. And I would love, I would love to know what that was like um, after April because it, it was he was not the same player. And a lot of that had to do with velocity. He struggled so much against velocity. And once teams figured that out, I mean, his K rate shot up. I mean, from from just March to the end of his major league at bats in June, he had a 19.5 K percent. Uh, when I told when I you know had the April totals in there, it was around 17. And then let's just see, you know, let's jump to the middle of May to the end of June. His K rate jumps up to 18. And then the end of May to June, his last month, 20 K rate. And it was really just because he he could not catch up to the high stuff. He could not catch up to the fast stuff. And I don't know how viable he will be in any league outside of the National League Central. So if the White Sox do have a strategy, maybe trade your mean to the Pirates because, I mean, they play bad baseball already. I don't think that he can be a viable DH, but teams will be desperate and Mercedes could possibly fill that role out, especially with the hot start that he had in April. But I'm really worried about his MLB career because I don't think that he can face um, a major league fastball day in and day out unless he's made some adjustments and I hope he did because he was an extremely fun player to watch and he seemed truly truly genuine so shout out to uh, the Yerminator and to your mean Mercedes that's going to do it though for Lockdown White Sox I want to thank you for listening thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day we are free and available on all platforms on monday we will have the mailbag mailbag monday will return you can get your calls in at 312-566-8727 or you can write in at locked on socks at gmail.com now make your second listen locked on bets your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs locked on bets hosted by your boy q with expert analysis and insight from lee sterling it's free and available wherever you get your podcasts I'm Sean Anderson, and I will talk to you on Monday here on Locked on Socks.